What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 332 of the Mind Body Musings podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Moon, and today we have a very special guest on the podcast. We're welcoming Rotana. Rotana is a dear, dear friend of mine, someone who I I didn't know I was going to be friends with. I saw her at her own show because another friend of ours posted something on social media saying, oh my gosh, you have to go see Rotana. She has this amazing show called Alien of Extraordinary Abilities. Go see it. She's coming to New York. So this was when I was living in New York. And when my friend posted that uh, little flyer online, I just felt this really strong pull. I did not ask what the show was about. I did not ask what was her favorite part. I didn't ask anything. I just said, okay, I'm, I'm going to click the link and I'm going to go. It was odd because normally when I go out, I mean, at least pre-COVID when we did things like that, when I would go out to see a concert or a show, I'd want a little bit more detail on it. That's going to be an event that I dress up for and I travel in the subway to and I don't know anybody and I go. So I took a, a, a gamble and I got two tickets and I asked my friend Nadia to come with me and we went and oh, my God, our souls were blown open. I was so affected by this show, by the spoken word, the songs, her story. Oh my God, her story. There are many moments where Nadia and I were both crying. We were in tears and we looked at each other and we just wanted to be like, me too. Because there's so many things relatable about her story. And even though I have a very different upbringing than her, we both have some incredibly similar experiences of being raised in a certain kind of dogmatic religion and then feeling disconnected to our sexuality and then coming full circle as adult women coming into our faith with sexuality, even finding a deeper faith through sexuality. Rotana is a Saudi Arabian performance artist, singer, and songwriter. Born and raised in Saudi Arabia, she moved to Los Angeles five years ago to pursue music after quitting her job at Saudi Aramco, the largest oil company in the world. She's currently working on her one-woman show, Alien of Extraordinary Ability, named after her immigration status, and her debut album, which just released her latest singles, Sin Again and Stuck in America. Rotana has been named one of the BBC's 100 Most Powerful Women and covered by GQ, LA Weekly, Huffington Post, Vice Arabia, Vogue Arabia, NPR, and AJ+. Her performances have spanned cities globally, including Paris, Abu Dhabi, Los Angeles, New York, and the Sundance Music Festival. Straddling a profound love for her home and the determination to be free, Rotana's music speaks to the journey of self-realization in the face of Saudi tradition, God, sexuality, family, and the immigrant experience. So delighted to bring Rotana onto the podcast today. So delighted to be able to say that this is a friend and a, a just a beautiful soul that walks amongst us. 
Interestingly enough, today when we recorded this, we had some really wonky text things that went on. So I'm going to do my best to splice and piece together this, this, this interview as seamlessly as possible. There was a mic swap at some point. So you may hear a change in my own audio quality as I went from one mic to the other mic. And and yeah, we it was re- really delightful. It's that it's that one day in between my not bleeding day and my bleeding day. So my brain is like, ah, what does it? But everything was beautiful and perfect. And this this episode is a little creation between the two of us women on its own. And I'm delighted to bring it to you. So with all of that said, if you enjoy listening to this and you enjoy the intersection between faith and devotion and sexuality and sensuality. I'd love to invite you to come on to mattymoon.com forward slash sisu dash society, which is a course that I created specifically for the woman who wants to feel devotionally embodied, sensually embodied, to feel the intersection between the holiness of her faith and the purity of her sex. And that program, it was my group coaching program, but now it's brought to you as a course that you can sign up for and begin instantly. And all the details for that are on my website. So I'm going to spare you right now talking about it and just trust that if you're feeling the internal pull or a call, that you'll go to the website. You can read all about it there, see testimonials, and you can always message us at support at maddiemoon.com with any questions that you may have. And without further ado, I think now is the perfect time to head on over to this podcast. Oh, dear, 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 oh,
favorite people on the planet earth. Thank you so much for grounding us and for singing and chanting. Can you tell us what you were singing? Yes. So um, in Islam, uh, God has 99 divine qualities or 99 names. Um, so you can think of it as, as deities. Um, and this is one of the names it's perhaps my favorite name, um, and it's Wadud, which means the compassionate one, um, the all-loving, the unconditional love, um, the one that comes with ease like water and just surrounds and um, does not uh, move with force. And this... Uh, this divine quality has changed my life. Uh, I'm really hard on myself. So yeah, we do it is a really big one for me. And also, I'm sure we'll get into some of this at some point. But this name has opened up my heart in the face of so many people hardening towards, you know, my choices and my mission. Yawadud, yawadud, yawadud always brings me back to compassion for those that are afraid of me um, or um, have shunned me. And the yeah is you're just calling to and what do it is the compassionate one. So you're just you're just you're you're invoking that quality. I love that so much, especially what you said about the ease of water. You know, I can feel the embodiment of that, the softness, the grace, that's what water is. Um, so interesting. You said there's 99, there's 99, 99. Is there a significance around that? Why it's 99? There is. And I do not know it, but the, there's a lot of numerology involved in it. I actually have a, a book that I, I highly recommend. It's just called the, the divine, uh, hold on. I actually have it right over here. It's called divine names, the 99 healing names of the one love. And uh, there's numerology involved in all of this, and I haven't I haven't dove into a lot of this yet because a lot of the the mysticism around Islam, which is what I am now really diving into, and that's really resonating with me after a, a long kind of separation from studying Islam in any way, uh, is in Sufism. So the Sufis are the mystics of Islam. Um, and there's definitely a lot of numerology, like with every name, it's like, repeat this 160 times to get this and repeat this, this amount of times. So there's like definitely some magic going on, but I've just begun my, my, I'm such a beginner in terms <laughs> of the, the path of Sufism, but I think that's where my homies are at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's, it, that's so beautiful because what you're speaking to is the knowledge you're new to the knowledge and the studying of using the, the thinking mind, but like you're, you've been home with God within you since the day you were conceived. Right. And, and yeah, way before that and long after and always will be. So there's like this intuitive wisdom that you hold, which I've spoken to you about, um, that is to say for all people carrying that kind of divine wisdom, but for you specifically, I have brought that up of how you carry in your body, in your being, in your presence, such a, um, you're like the walking embodiment of, um, exquisite, um, like bravery. That's what comes up for me. Exquisite bravery. And like, you're, I hate that phrase. Someone comes before their time because that's so not true. You're literally here and it's your time. Um, but you're (laughs) one of those people I think that is, that could be considered that because you're help you're here helping pave the way for a new time for what's to come. Yeah. That's how I see you. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. (sighs) Okay. So, um, before we get into your story, what Mm -hmm. is something you kind of just answered this, but maybe you have a different answer. What is something that you're currently musing about? Maybe something else specifically that you're passionate about. That I am passionate about. Oh my God, this is such a difficult question because there's so many things. Um, so chanting for me is something that has newly come into my life. Uh, and I don't know how, which is how most things that are really erotic for me come about. I just like can't really trace when it started. Um, and, you know, when I say chanting, I remember when we were prepping for this podcast, I was like, so I don't chant chant because, you know, a lot of people have heard me do that. And they're like, that's not chanting. I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. But that has been really inspiring to me. Because, you know, we're on a podcast right now, but I've started to chant and then I'll do it for like a full hour. And then probably at like the 20 minute or 30 minute mark, um, I will start, I will start moving my body, which is something uh, and specifically like my pelvis Um, and I'll start thrusting. And this to me is like really radical shit because I had like, I had moments growing up in Saudi Arabia where I felt, you know, very turned on physically during prayer. And I knew intuitively that what I was the prayer and the, the, the physiological kind of current and aliveness, they weren't separate. Uh, but I definitely shamed myself and shut it down. And right now I am moving through the, all the years of conditioning through owning this practice that I am totally making up of chanting and, and, you know, calling forth God's divine qualities and calling, calling forth, you know, God to surround me more and, and be in me more whilst being very sexual. And, uh, you know, I get emotional just talking about it because I grew up really believing that that's a violation to everything involved, 
to your body, to God, to the sacredness of prayer, to the words that you are saying. And um, yeah, that's been something that's been so inspiring and challenging and private. And I can't believe I'm saying it out loud, but that's something that I've been jamming with. Oh, you're so speaking my language right now. Oh, oh it's like, oh, yes, turn on in God. Oh, it feels so good. It feels so good. And I'm. It I'm, really does. It deepens the, it deepens the prayer. Um, yeah. And I appreciate you so much for speaking about it. Yeah. I mean, what you reveal, you heal, you know? So here we are. I remember being. I think it was 16 years old and I had never read the song of Solomon. That was like one of the books that I just, it was never brought up in church. Are, are you familiar with the song of Solomon at all? No. Okay. So it is a book in the Bible that is highly erotic. <laughs> it is highly erotic and it is poetic. It's, it talks about in the Bible, in the Bible, in the Bible. It is, it is, basically bhakti it is basically devotional love it is talking about um the kind of love that a devotee has for god as a lover that's what it is it's tantra basically mm-hmm. and i remember discovering that book whenever i was in high school and i had a boyfriend at the time and i was blown away i was like oh my god i had no idea this was in what did I say? Oh my goodness. I had no idea this was in the Bible. And I would take out little scriptures and I would send it to my boyfriend as a love note and be like, this is song of Solomon X, Y, Z, whichever scripture it was. And then my mom found out. And then she told me I was not allowed to read that book, that chapter of the Bible. I I could read any other one, but that one. And she shamed me. And I had no idea, like I I couldn't put together the pieces of why am I being shamed for reading a particular book of the Bible? Like, can I do anything right? And then I wasn't allowed to read that anymore. And I just kind of forgot about it. I was like, whatever. And and recently I I was reading this book called Wild Mercy by Mirabai Starr, who I had on last podcast episode. And um, she wrote about that in the book. She was like, for all of you who have read the Bible, like one of the like devotional mystic chapters inside of the Bible is the Song of Solomon, that like kind of random book that's super erotic. And I remember having flashbacks about being shamed for being um, to, for feeling something when I was reading something in the Bible, because it was one of the first things that made sense to me. It's like, oh, right. love, honey. Like it's, a, <laughs> it's about honey and like adorning your body to be the bride of God. Really? I am shocked. Yeah. And they, did they just like gloss over this, like at church? What do they, oh, what do they do with totally, this? Totally. I don't even know. I don't remember. I, I don't like what, I don't think it was ever addressed. And if it was, it was, you know, probably coined some way of like, okay, this is a book right. in the Bible, but also like, be aware of the temptress hidden somewhere within here. There is a temptress. Right. Just be right. on alert wherever she yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so interesting about, you know, monotheistic religions and Islam in particular, which I'm, I'm Muslim. Um, the Quran is one of, it's one of the most poetic writings. Like it is so poetic. It is so abstract. 
It, and so the powers that be in Saudi Arabia, where I grew up, really did a great job of taking that book and giving it a very specific interpretation of what it meant. And we just blindly, mm. you know, drank the tea. Um, but it's poetry. And part of Islam is um, ijtihad. And I feel like in the Western world, that word, people hear that and all they'll hear is the jihad part of it, which is probably very triggering for a lot of people. But what ijtihad actually mean, and it comes from the same root. So the, the ijtihad is to, uh, to be a warrior within yourself. So what does that mean? What, what Islam tells us to do and everybody to do is you read the Quran, which is the holy book, and you read, we also have hadith, which are the stories passed on from the prophet. And it is your responsibility to go in your heart and sit with it and see where it settles in your heart. And that's really hard work because you have to be honest with yourself about what the truest interpretation of that is for you. Obviously you consult, you know, you consult um, religious, um, in, in Islam, we call them sheikhs, which are the equivalent of, of priests. But at the end of the day, ijtihad is about doing the sometimes impossible work of sitting with your intuition and owning what that means for you. And that part of Islam, at least where I grew up, is completely, uh, that has vanished. In fact, they've hid it from us. I, I love the correlations here. I love the correlation. Like, this is why I wanted to have you on is to talk about Islam and Christianity and some of the ways that we were both raised and some of the things that were missing in our more dogmatic religion and how we now as adult women are reclaiming our, our spirituality. And it, it's, it's just so fascinating to come. It's not quite full circle, but in a way it is full circle back into where we started, but yeah. with, with completely different tools. Yeah. What you're saying right here about that part about seeing how it resonates within your body, within your being reminds me of the story of Mary Magdalene and how mm. Mary Magdalene was actually given, uh, she asked J Jesus the question of like, where is the intuition? And he said, it's between, um, what did he say? It's like the mind. Oh man, I'm going to have to go back and make sure I say this right. But the mind and the mind into something else. And so essentially what Megan Watterson theologian talks about is that it is the heart and all of the books that were missing from the Bible that were pulled out, every single book that was pulled out and hidden and buried all says the same thing mm -hmm. that we are supposed to let the words penetrate our own being and then decide for ourselves how it makes us feel. Yeah. So how interesting is that, that these key elements from different religion were taken out, the part that says we get to see how something feels for us, the part that is sovereignty. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I'm, I would be so curious to what that, what, what exactly she pointed out or, or where not she, Jesus, where he said the intuition lied, because I would think it I don't know, I, but for me personally, the heart is a place between the, like my mind or these, you know, my, my, uh, my sixth and seventh chakra, and then my first, second, and third. Like, 
there is such an obsession with ascension in Islam. And I think in all religions, it's this obsession with just ascension and moving upwards and transcendence. And I truly believe that part of my mission here on earth is to bring back holiness to our first and second chakras. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we are fucking animals. We, we must honor the reptilian brain and mind. And so I, I'm, and one of, you know, the longest journey, perhaps my longest journey is to really hone in on my intuition because I've been trained just I, beyond training. It's been brainwashing. It's been gas. I've been gaslit. Just everything that a society and culture could do to make sure that I had no internal compass has been done. Mm-hmm. And so the journey is long and I feel like I'm just at the beginning. Um, but yeah. We are going to take a brief break in this epic podcast to speak about today's sponsor, Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your absolute best today and supports you in the long term. I love, love, love Care Of. They sponsored a show, I think a year or maybe even a year and a half, two years ago. And ever since I discovered them, I've been using their personalized vitamin packs like nobody's business they come in these super easy to consume packets they have your name on it it's really adorable every day i wake up and i open my little vitamin packet that says hi madeline and it has all my vitamins ready to go inside one thing i really appreciate about care of is that all of the ingredients are very good for you and they're super transparent about all of the research and the science and the sourcing that they're doing behind the vitamins that you're consuming additionally care of has you go through an in-depth five minute super easy online quiz that asks you questions about your diet your lifestyle and any health concerns that you may be wanting to address their holistic online quiz is like getting a one-on-one consultation with a nutritionist without having to leave your house and without having to actually talk to anybody which many of us have discovered we prefer um when i was going through my perioral dermatitis my skin issues i was tailoring my vitamins to be around skincare and that supported my my skin journey last year with my major skin and face concerns and I've also transitioned now recently to more of a digestion focus so no matter what you're moving through or what you're going through care of's quiz can be tailored and customized to help support whatever focus you have with your health so if you are ready to make your vitamin plan super simple, super easy, and all in one, so you're not ordering from all these random different stores online and everything is out of sync, so one time you get this 30-day supply and then this 60-day supply, if you're ready to be done with that and have everything be super cohesive, then I invite you for 50% off your first care of order to go to takecareof.com and enter the code MOON. 50. Again, for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code MOON50. That's lowercase MOON50. You will not regret it. Your skin will not regret it. Your body will not regret it. Your digestion will not regret it. Go enjoy that and let's get back to the show. I'm going to find it for us real quickly. 
Yeah. Um, I want to get, cause I, I don't feel good about leaving it off without that. Okay. So Ratana and I just took like a 10 minute break to go into, um, into the interwebs and the gospel of Mary of Magdala by, uh, Karen King to find the passage that I was referring to because you really can't nonchalantly throw something like that out and then not follow. No, no, you cannot do that. So, okay. It is. um, So something very interesting about Mary Magdalene is that there's like quite a few pages missing in the book of Mary, like that are lost, lost. Mm -hmm. And this was the Mm -hmm. passage right before the missing pages. So I'm just going to read it straight from the translation I have here. She said, I saw the Lord in a vision. I said to him, Lord, I saw you today in a vision. He answered me, how wonderful you are for not wavering at seeing me. For where the mind is, there is also treasure. I said to him, so now, Lord, does a person who sees a vision see it with the soul or with the spirit? The Savior answered, a person does not see with the soul or with the spirit. Rather, the mind, which exists between these two. And then there are... Um, several pages missing pages 11 to 14 so the interesting thing about the mind back then this is what I um, learned from Mary Magdalene revealed is the mind is the aspect of the soul we can perceive while embodied the mind translates to ancient truths we remember while living so the mind is not Mm. the way we think of it in western society the mind in the book of Mary back then means it's ancient truths we we have like the wisdom it's what's within right so yeah isn't that beautiful that is beautiful and the mind is and I forget this all the time but the mind is part of the body (laughs) I I forget that all the time I'm like oh mind and body and they're separate it's like no no (laughs) your mind is in your body girl (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I would love for you to share a bit more about your, like who you are, like your background, your story, getting over here to America, um, your music, because your music is a huge way that you are doing exactly what you're doing with your mission of bringing God back into the first chakra and to the root. And your journey is what's, I mean, one of the things that's so beautiful about you. And I think having it on air here would be really special for everyone. Thank you, Habibti. Habibti means my love in Arabic. Um, So I am Ritana. I was born and raised in Saudi Arabia, in Dahran to be specific, the eastern province of Saudi Arabia. And uh, I grew up in a really interesting situation. I grew up in a a gated community uh, that was nicknamed Little America (laughs) in Saudi Arabia. And so, and this, my father worked for an oil company called Saudi Aramco and Saudi Aramco had built essentially this like gated city for all of the American and and other nationality expats to come and live, you know, in this desert. (laughs) And because the rest of Saudi Arabia uh, really moves under a Wahhabist application of Islam, uh, which is essentially just kind of uh, literally a guy came to Saudi Arabia and was like, I don't like how things are going over here. Let's, you know, let's change all of the ways that we apply Islam and make it so much more strict. So that's like the sect of Islam that they apply is named after a guy. So outside of the gates, you know, movie theaters were forbidden. 
everything was segregated to male and female sections. Um, you couldn't, you know, on billboards, they would cross out or blur out eyes because you're not allowed to technically take photos because you're capturing the soul of a person. You're not allowed to do that. And music was forbidden um, in public places. Uh, definitely a woman's body had to be completely covered. Uh, and inside the gates, inside Little, of, Little America, none of these rules apply because you had all these, you know, American and, and other expats that were there. And I grew up inside Little America, but I left the gates every day and I went to Saudi schools. So uh, very strict religious curriculum. We had eight religion topics, um, you know, not allowed to wear nail, nail polish, you pray five times a day, which is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that, but it was just so, so strict. And so from the get, there was this like very strong duality in my life. You know, I grew up in, in little America with all of this supposed freedom and then would leave the gates and go to a completely different world. And I didn't want to belong to little America. I wanted to belong to the, the, you know, the, the Saudi and, and Muslim environment that was present at my school. And I did. And I became very religious. Uh, and my mother was very religious. And, you know, my mother suffered through a mental illness that made her believe that she was a prophet. And that contributed to me becoming even more religious because I wanted the love of my mother. Um, and that was, you know, uh, we can get into that at, at an, in another <laughs> podcast, but that really was frankly the most alive that I had ever seen my mother. Um, so growing up felt really lonely in a lot of ways. I started to feel my erotic just kind of nature, I think at the age of like, honestly six seven but really started to bloom when I was like 12 and I just I would lock my room and instinctively would thrust and you know hump and crawl and howl and felt so powerful and so so bad just just the worst person in the world um and yet it made me feel so alive. So I really lived with that cognitive, spiritual, sexual dissonance all throughout, um, all throughout my life until I, I went to college, came back to Saudi Arabia. Uh, and in college, which, you know, I was in America and you can be in a place that's quote unquote free or you would have freedoms and still not be ready and I wasn't ready. So I was still very much in the same kind of dogmatic application of Islam and being in general. I went back to Saudi Arabia, moved back in with my parents because that's what you do in Saudi Arabia. Um, you live with your parents until you get married. And I started working at Saudi Ramco, the same company that my father worked for, that my mother worked for, that every single aunt and uncle and my whole entire family worked for. And cut to, you know, that was, I was 21, cut to me, 24. I'm now having panic attacks, um, feeling, 
actually through watching Glee, funnily enough, that I had a mission and it involved my voice. And I and it involved, I remember, I remember being 24 and like thinking, oh, I'm gonna change what it means to be sexy. Like I remember that. <laughs> and I look back at them like really vague mission statement there, but also really on point. So I was having these panic attacks. I would go to work, come back, eat a hash brownie and just kind of escape. And then I took a few months off because it was all just catching up with me. And I went to India for three months, went to a terrible Ayurvedic retreat, like so cheesy. I literally, I read Eat, Pray, Love. And I was like, I must go to India. Went to India, went to the shittiest yoga retreat. Uh, But it was the best thing ever because I had three months of silence and I had never in my life heard my insides. And it was really, really hard the first two months. I was really disturbed, which was it's funny. The place that I ended up at was actually for the most part a rehab, like Ayurvedic rehab facilitation place, which they did not market. They did not market it as such. But my first two months, you know, there are these people screaming in agony. And I was screaming in agony with all the motherfuckers too, because it was so, oh my God, it was so terrible to hear how loud it was inside. And I didn't know how to manage it and I didn't know how to handle it, but I made a 75 year old friend named Jimmy. He was a farmer from Australia and we would just kind of integrate every morning and he saved my life. And on the third month, probably just like the last two weeks, it was like, oh, oh, I have to sing. Oh, I have to go to America. Oh, I must, I must leave my mother, which was like, you know, that's the biggest uh, tether to like that, that to me is the majority of my work. So I came here and it's been a wild, you know, five years of completely reconstructing my relationship to actually my whole reality. So reconstructing what God means to me, what death means to me, what sex means to me. And I came here like guns blazing. I was like, all right, time to lose my virginity, time to drop acid, time to just like, you know, let's undo everything. And in one of my songs, Stuck in America, I say like, you know, brown go, brown go comes to America, chasing the pleasure, put God in a drawer. It was like, all right, let's put God in a drawer right now. Got some shit to do. It's hard to wrap up the last five years, but I gradually, you know, started to learn how to write and sing and performed my ass off everywhere. And every time I would reveal a little bit of my true self, which is a very um, primal, animalistic, gentle, uh, holy, God-like, you know, being creature, um, I would see that it would disturb my mother and my father and my aunts and my uncles who were like second moms and dads. We have, we very much live like a village in Saudi Arabia still. And I couldn't, I couldn't bear the thought of losing them or disappointing them. And all of this came to a head in 2019 when I performed at Form Festival and I opened my one woman show, which is called Alien of Extraordinary Ability, named after my immigration status. I opened my one woman show with reading uh, a scripture from the Quran. 
And it's something that I do every day in my life before I begin something that is important to me. And then I went into my show, which is a combination of spoken word and music. And I obviously move in a certain way and it's very erotic. And um, I, at the time, didn't have a manager. I was super overwhelmed. I was there all alone. And uh, <laughs> someone captured me on video and I got on a plane. So I had no idea, but within like three hours, I had gone viral all throughout the Arab world and in Saudi Arabia and was just being called an abomination to Islam and the country. Um, and it was just like millions on millions of people and tweets and, and news articles. I had done something that was just like, on you do not fuck with that a a woman does not read the quran aloud in public number one number two you do not dare bring the quran the holy book side by side with a woman's body you know i was dressed in i had a, like a tube top on and these tribal pants that had a slit on them so like and you do not dare read the quran with music or even though I didn't read it with music, but it was in the same container. And third, being from Saudi Arabia, you do not dare practice the religious freedom of having religious freedom, of, of demonstrating that you get, to, you get to pray the way that you see fit. And so all three of these things were so dangerous and so insulting to so many people. And I wasn't prepared for that. And I got, and so from that moment on, you know, I recently put out my music last October. Um, I have a music video called Sin Again, and there's like lips on my tits and there's singing and I have begun to really reveal myself. And that has come at a very high cost of losing, of everything that I was afraid of, which was losing my family, losing my ties to my, my culture, losing my place in society. Um, so that was a very long-winded answer. And we can get into anything you would like, but does that answer your question, Madeline? Oh, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. Thank you. Um, You're so welcome. Yeah, I feel the, the ripples of of feeling inspired just going out to all the people right now because it's so mm -hmm. it's it's awe-inspiring it really is and that leads me into um a question around the last thing you said on losing you know losing everything um leading you to where you are now and it's in it's because of you living your mission right it's because you're here to be a huge changer you're here to change and anyone who's here to change the way that things are is going to have to go through some incredibly painful resistance what keeps you going what keeps you showing up in the face of loss and fear and and heartache i think of who I think of 12-year-old me and how lost Lil Ro was and how unloved she felt and how just scared of myself I was 
And I think of all the little girls in Saudi Arabia and boys and queer people. And it just, you know, it just doesn't have to be this way. And my dream really is to create a community and a home for people like me um, to come to. If, if there was a community that I knew existed that celebrated this journey that I was on and that had tools to provide me with, then I, I, there's so much suffering that I didn't have, that I wouldn't have had to go through. And, you know, one of my favorite books is Pleasure Activism by Adrian Marie Brown. It has completely, completely changed my life and it reframes, you know, our relationship to pleasure as something that is selfish and frivolous to something that is absolutely necessary for our vitality, for our well-being and for our sustainability as a species. And I really believe that just by being alive, there is in, there is there is suffering. We are, we will suffer. But this suffering that I have gone through and that so many go through to be themselves is, in my opinion, unnecessary. And I will spend the rest of my time here on Earth soothing that process for anybody else that I, you know, for anyone that I can. And so that honestly is what keeps me going. But also, and I, I don't know if you can speak to this as well, Madeline, there are times that I have been truly on the floor, sobbing, being like, I wish I wasn't this person. I don't want to do this. It's I, why am I this? Why am I this woman that is so sexually charged, so committed to her erotic aliveness and religious and Saudi? I don't want it. <laughs> and I can't. And, and in those moments, it's so it hurts so much because I can't quit even if I tried. It's like a magnetic pull. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Um, and that is what keeps me going because it's, it's beyond me. Yeah, I am very familiar with that bathroom floor breakdown. And what I, <laughs> what I think it's showing us, it's a reflection of the trauma conditional love does on human beings you wouldn't be having, I'm assuming that kind of reaction if you were loved no matter what. If your family was like, we love oh. you no matter what, you do what you do. Right. Like we support right. you, you're amazing. Right. And all of my atrocious pain for being who I am um, and my memories of even being, yeah, as like five years old, three years old, especially 13 years old. My One of my biggest traumas is when I received my first kiss. Mm. I was, I was harassed. I was shamed. I was yelled at. I was told everything, including if you were a boy, I'd be hitting you in the face, get to your room. Yeah. You can't see another kid until you read these next four Christian books. Like it was very traumatic. And there was a pain body around first kisses in my life for a long time. And I was wondering as a 13 year old, what is wrong with me? for yeah. for wanting to kiss what is wrong with me for wanting to braid the hair of my girlfriends which i wasn't allowed to do wasn't allowed to oh, have friends whose parents were divorced i wasn't allowed to have friends who weren't white wow i wasn't allowed wow everything and even if i was allowed something 
my mother would forget that she gave me permission to do so. And then she would tell my father that, that she never did. And then my father would get mad at me and get me in trouble. So even when I did the right thing, it was the wrong thing. It was kind of the song of Solomon thing. Like that's my whole life of like, Mm. oh, this is allowed. And then finding out it's not, and then being shamed for it. So there was a deep, deep self-hatred that happened in me. And even the places I would look for solace included fantasy, right? Like that was my place is like fantasy and, and make-believe because that felt safe. And then eventually that wasn't safe anymore. Nothing was because the way our world has worked for so long is that people think if we just keep love conditional, we'll stay safe. We'll yeah. keep, you know, and that go, that has like major systemic roots and patriarchy, everything. It is how our world has thought it needs to work in order to, to control, you know, right. Everything's yeah. about control, controlling society, yeah. communities. And for the brave and fearless people, artists and creators in this world who that just doesn't work for them you know they're going to choose art they're going to choose creation they're going to choose their voice over being captive to that kind of conditional love yeah the, the hope that I have is that eventually the people who live by conditional love are broken open too to where they're like oh well if this is the way it's going to be I'll love no matter what but yeah it might be years away it might be years away. And I, you know, that's why I said, yeah, would do the compassionate is one of my favorite names because I, even though my family has disowned me, my mission, I, I have, I have so much love for them and I have not hardened in the face of that. And I, I hope that through my healing and through my unconditional love, like you said, something will crack. Mm. um you're so right it really all comes back to the conditional love thing like at every moment in my career usually you know I have my dear friend Haley Jean Penner had this conversation with me once she's an incredible writer and her father is Fred Penner who's a famous um he's like the Mr. Rogers of Canada (laughs) and you know every time Haley writes a song or you know starts on a book or has an idea. He's like, oh, honey, I'm so proud of you. You know, even her, her book is on sexual assault and all of her her, her sexcapades and everything that she's gone through here in LA and her, oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I won't read it because that's your, and <laughs> she was like, you know, we were just contrasting these experiences because every time I put a piece of work out, I lose somebody or my mother falls to the floor and, and and can't breathe or my father says you're killing your mom Mm -hmm. and so and I know that that's so many people's realities for different reasons and and that is why we make art and that is why we continue to to live aloud so that our stories become a third place you know, a place where we can come together outside, you know, not home, not the place that you immigrated to. I'm very, you know, rooted in an immigrant experience, but there's a third place. <laughs> and I, that third place is in our stories, in our art. Yeah. 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 Mm. It, it's, it's quite an experience to be so in love with 
family with people, you know, specifically family, because that's what you and I really, we have that mutual understanding of like having family members that we love. And it is so hard to love at times because it's heartbreaking, at least for, for myself, I'll speak. Like I've never known someone as specific person in my life. that is so hard to love. I love like the love is natural, but it hurts to love. It hurts. It's traumatic to love. Yeah, it it is like, because it's not it's not given back. And and yet you can't help but love them, their family or they're important to you. I think you're like me in that family really, really, it feels it's just so essential to your to your well being. And, and in Saudi, like I said, we grow up, we like really live like a village. Everyone is taking Mm -hmm. care of everybody else and your aunts and uncles and everyone is super present. And so in this, in this moment in my life, when that rupture happened at Forum Festival, it really felt like I was in the desert, kicked out of the tribe. They took all of my like weapons and ways to feed myself away from me. And, and that was it. Like I felt it in my body and it was a feeling of I'm going to die. Mm. I genuinely felt at moments physically in my body, I'm going to die. Cause I can't, I, I, it's just this primal thing that happens, but then you don't die. And that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you, yeah. are you familiar with the tale of Inanna? Mm-mm. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm not going to get <sighs> into it here, but there is, there is a, um, I did a whole class on it in Sisu that I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to send mm-hmm. you, you could just listen to the audio, but, and not literally what you're, what I think my projection of this experience you were sharing <laughs> is that that form festival performance, obviously, you know, this was a rite of passage, but mm-hmm. the story of Anana is like, so perfect it's for for what you experience of going into the world with all these tools and then having it all taken from you in the underworld being stripped bare naked hung Mm -hmm. on a meat hook and Mm -hmm. then have to traverse back out of the underworld with with all new tools as you come back Mm -hmm. up for air and that's Mm -hmm. like you right now in this process of taking in new tools your sex training islam uh, mysticism Yes. Whatever is happening in LA right now, musically, like this music video just released, like you're getting all these new tools of like, this is what I need now to traverse through my quest as a woman. But that, that tale of Inanna is like, wow. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My last question for you is, this is kind of a big one before the, the deep dive round, because I do have a couple quick fire questions for you is, um, who is God to you? Oh. Wow. I'm going to be so vulnerable in sharing with you what's happening with me right now. Um. that question is literally triggering a um, like a fight or flight response in me. It's hard to like explain how oppressive the, uh, the teachings of Islam was and how it's like, 
I really learned that if you if you don't say and regard God as man in sky, uh, mm. vividly learned how you're going to be tortured. Uh, and so I think I just need to breathe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I have an answer for who is God to you, but what's coming to me is where I find God. And I find God at the intersection of, I am here to fuck shit up, sit down. And I love you unconditionally. And I am soft. And I receive all of your fear. That's where God is to me. I think I will graduate to the who is God. But to me, that where has been really profound to like learn that about myself. And that's where I go in my show. That's where I go when I sing. So that's where, I, that's how I can answer that question. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm. I mean, where feels so much more potent, to be honest with you, than who? Because who, I mean, any answer for who is like, we don't know. But where is like, wow, we can actually put a pulse on that. Yes. We can feel where. Mm-hmm. Whereas who, yeah, it's, you just, <laughs> it's just whatever our human brains are coming up with. So that was really yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. Where can people connect with you moving forward? Right now, Instagram is the easiest place to follow everything that's going on. So it's at I-A-M-R-O-T-A-N-A. Yeah, through there, you'll find my Spotify, my music videos and all that good stuff. All right, quick fire round time. Okay. Now this first one might be very hard. So literally keep in mind, quick fire. They don't have to be the right answers. Okay. Because there is no right answer, but today this is your answer. Okay. Five (laughs) items in your funeral goodie bag. When you die, what five items are going in your funeral goodie bag? Oh my God. Okay. Sex toy. uh, Women who run with the wolves. uh, Prayer rug. Islamic prayer rug and like the beautiful sheet, um, leave-in conditioner, (laughs) and, 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 um, a starlight. Weird, weird Mm. choices, weird Mm. choices. I love it. If you were a bird, which bird would you be? Blue bird, blue bird, blue bird. Which deity or goddess do you have the strongest connection with right now? Kali. What's your favorite meal right now? Oh, my favorite meal right now is steak and mashed potatoes. What is your strongest act of self-care right now? Also right now. Sleeping. 
sleeping, sleeping for more than seven hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sleeping. It's so simple. I, I, for everybody listening, please follow the nap ministry. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that Instagram account changed my life. Ratana, I love you so much. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. You I are love you too. Just, I just adore you with my whole heart and being. And Thank everything. you. I'm such, I'm, I feel so blessed to have you as a friend. The really, feeling really is like, so oh. deeply mutual and you've been such a guiding light in so much of this process. Um, I want more. I want to shower you with one more uh a song if that's okay mm, please. it'll be real short yeah. mm -hmm. so this is just I love this song uh it's literally just about a little girl waking up in the mountains of Lebanon rising with the sun putting her hands on the earth and and coming to the doors of God by just being in nature الحلوات عم تتاقن في البدرية ودك بيتن كوكو كوكو في الفقرية يا غابنا على باب الله يصنع لك عالصباحك صباح الخير استعطيه ويلا بنا على باب الله يلا 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 بنا على باب الله Thank you. Thank you, Ratana. It's so welcome. Oh, it's a pleasure to watch you sing too. And your beautiful Aww. smile. I can really feel yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Go to maddiemoon.com forward slash rotana to get the show notes for this episode. And and absolutely please follow her on Spotify as well as Instagram. Stay up to date with everything that this beautiful soul is up to. And let us know what you thought about this episode by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website letting us know over on instagram hope you enjoyed this i'll see you next week for another episode of mind body musings
Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.